You know, as I gathered in the pastor's office this morning to pray with the men, I told them before they left that I really needed an extra prayer because the word that I'm bringing this morning isn't going to tickle a lot of ears. But it's the word that the Holy Spirit gave me. And I believe with all of my heart that if we allow the word of God to do what it's supposed to do, we can find ourselves in the middle of the winter circle. Amen. Hebrews 12:11 tells us that all discipline, that all reproof, that all correction is difficult for the moment. And some of these words might be difficult this morning for some of us to hear, but the word goes on to say that if we allow that discipline to run its course, that we shall reap the sweet reward of righteousness. Amen. You see, I don't know about you, but I want to reap a reward this morning. I want to reap a reward in my life, and I want to run in such a way that I might win. One of the first things that I want us to see in verse 24 is that it is obvious that Paul is speaking to a spiritual deficiency among the Corinthian church. He's speaking to a spiritual immaturity, to a complacency that was evident in their lives. That's why he wrote to them, because he heard and knew that there were some things going on in that church that ought not to be going on in that church. It was obvious that there was a spiritual deficiency among the people, that with their words they showed much love, but their heart was far from God. You see, I want us to remind us that that the Word of God in Galatians 5.19 tells us that the works of the flesh are obvious. They were obvious in the Galatian church. They were obvious in the Corinthian church, and it's why Paul wrote. He said the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, dissensions and factions, envying and murder, drunkenness, carousing, partying, and all such things. I'm warning you. As I have already warned you before, those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not win. They will be disqualified from any reward that God might have for them. They'll be disqualified from any blessing. They'll be disqualified from any anointing. They'll be disqualified from any good gift God has for His people because they are operating in the flesh instead of in the Spirit. Understand, Paul writes these words because the people were not running like they were called to run. They weren't running according to the Spirit. They were running according to the flesh. They were running according to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, church. They were covered in compromise and they were covered in in complacency and they were not running like they should. So Paul wrote and said this, Do you not know Have you not already been told that all of you are in this race together? Are you not aware, God's people, that all of you are to run in such a way that you might win and not just the prophets and not just the priests and not just the pastor, not just the the writers of the law. All of you are to run in such a way that you might win. All of you are to run the right way. Not just me, Paul said, but you as well. We are all to run in such a way that we might win. The reality is what Paul was trying to get the Corinthian church to understand and what he wants us to understand this morning is that the same course has been set before every single one of us. 
The same race has been set before every single one of us. The same cross has been set before you and set before me. The same Word of God has been set before you and it has been set before me. The same Christ, Jesus, was set before you and set before me. The same, the same call was set before you and set before me. The call to go into all the earth and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. The call to, to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in to Christ. The, the call to live above reproach. The call to put off the flesh. The call, church. To run in such a way that you might win. That call has been put on each and every one of us. But the sad reality is so often we sit in the pews and we think that call only applies to the spiritual elite. But God has called every single one of us to run in such a way that we might win this morning. The first thing that I want us to notice about verse 24 is that it reveals to us that there is a right way to run and a wrong way to run. There's a way to run that leads you to victory. And there's another way that leads you to defeat. There's a way to run that will take you right to the middle of the winner circle where you shall wear a crown. And there's another way to run that will lead you to become disqualified from any good gift that God has for you. There's a way to run that will gain us the, the eternal applause of God that's looking down from heaven. And there's another way to run that will gain the temporary applause of man. That's not the way you're supposed to run. That's not the way Paul said you're supposed to run. We need to understand this morning that there is a way we should run and a way that we shouldn't run. There's a way that we should live as God's chosen people and a way we shouldn't live. There's a way that we should dress and a way that we should talk as, as God's royal priesthood and a way that we shouldn't talk and a way we shouldn't dress. There's a way that we should behave and conduct ourselves as God's holy nation, church, in a way that we shouldn't. I told my wife I'm going to try to save my voice because it's been scratchy all along, but you know me. It's hard for me to calm myself. But the Bible teaches us that there is a way that we should run and a way we shouldn't run. We should run in such a way that separates us from the world, church. But the sad reality is, in the house of God today, you can't tell the difference between the church and the world. You can't tell the difference between those who call themselves Christians and those who don't know Christ at all. Far too often, the people in the house of God curse like the world. They dress like the world. They talk like the world. They get drunk like the world. They act like the world, behave like the world, lie like the world, cheat like the world, divorce like the world, fornicate like the world. They're not running in such a way that they might win. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not running in such a way that they might win. They're running to be disqualified, Paul said. And the works of the flesh are obvious in their life. Far too often we don't run like we should, church. Because we're standing with sinners. Because we're seated with scoffers. Because we're not delighting ourselves in the law of the Word, the, the law of the Lord. And we wonder why we're not blessed. We wonder why everyone else is blessed and why we're not. It's because we're not running to win. It's because we're standing still in our faith. Because we find ourselves sitting where we shouldn't be sitting and doing what we shouldn't be doing, church. 
This is a word that the Holy Spirit has for us today. And He's bringing this word because He wants you to win. Not because He wants to disqualify you. Not because He wants to condemn you. But because He wants you to win this morning. Understand, Paul wrote these words because the people were not running to win. They weren't living like they should. Study the Corinthian church. They weren't dressing like they should. They were dressing like floozies. They were carrying on like pips. They were dressing like they belonged to, uh, belonged on the street corner. Their lives were filled with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the, the pride of life. They weren't talking like they should talk. There was nothing that separated them from the people out there in the world, church. But they weren't running like they should win. They weren't conducting themselves. They were wrapped up in the things of this world, church. And just like them, so often we do the same exact thing. The question is, are we running to win? Or are we facing disqualification this morning? Are we running to win? Are we running to gain the prize? Or are we facing disqualification this morning, church? Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that all athletes are disciplined in their training. All athletes are devoted to their training. They're dedicated to their training. They're committed to their training. They're consecrated to their training. Nothing gets in the way of their training. And they do it to win a temporal prize, Paul said. They do all that training. They do all that self-denial. They do all that self-sacrifice to gain a hunk of metal that will one day pass away. To gain a shiny piece of metal that will one day rust, one day uh, uh, corrode, and one day turn to nothing. They do all of that to gain a laurel wreath that will one day fade and crumble into dust, church. But Paul said, we run. We are to discipline ourselves so that we can gain an eternal prize. So that we can gain the eternal applause of God and not the temporary applause of man. Please listen to me this morning. If you're trying to gain the applause of man, you're running the wrong race. If you're trying to please those that are around you instead of the Father that set your feet running in the first place, you're running in the wrong race. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be disqualified. He says they do it to win a prize that will, not, that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. We do it for an eternal prize, Paul said. So, so I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step because my prize is an eternal prize because my reward is an eternal reward. Listen to me. How much more should we be consecrated? How much more should we be devoted? How much more should we be given to God? How much more should we be dedicated and, and committed to the things of God if we're running church for an eternal prize? Paul said, I run with purpose in every step. I don't box without aim. I don't shadow box. I don't, I don't just punch with, with no aim or no direction. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete and I train it to do what it should do. Like I said, there's some things you should do as a Christian and some things you shouldn't do. Paul said, I train my body and I discipline my body so that it will do what it's supposed to do. I train my mouth to speak what it should speak. I train my mind to think what it should think. 
I train my body to behave in such a way. I train my members to, to be instruments of righteousness to the act of obedience. I train myself to, to dress the right way, to dress modestly and, and appropriately. I train myself to do business the right way, to do marriage the right way, to, to do ministry the right way. Lest, after preaching to others, I might find myself disqualified, he said. Paul said, I do all of these things, lest I become disqualified myself. I run in such a way that I might win, lest I be disqualified myself. Paul was the greatest author in the New Testament, and he's thinking about disqualification. Paul, the greatest New Testament author, the greatest uh, 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 proselytizer of the gospel, is talking about disqualification. The man who is the greatest mouthpiece of God recorded in Scripture is talking about the possibility of him becoming disqualified. How much more should we run in such a way that we should win? How much more should we be devoted and dedicated and committed and consecrated? We have to run in such a way that we might win. We must run in such a way that we might gain the prize we might fight, we must fight in such a way that we might defeat our foe. Discipline ourselves in such a way that we might not be disqualified. Listen, the truth is, Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago because the church was undisciplined. The church was undisciplined, and the sad reality is today, the church 2,000 years later is just as undisciplined as it was back then, church. We're not disciplined in the Word of God. We're not disciplined in this thing called prayer. We're not disciplined in our worship. We're not disciplined in our devotions to God. We're not disciplined in self-denial. We're not disciplined in self-sacrifice. We're not disciplined in doing the things that God calls us to do. We're not disciplined. We're not fit. We're not ready. This is what Paul is trying to teach the Corinthian church. And those words are there for today's church as well. If you want to win, you've got to be disciplined. You can't leave the work to someone else. You can't leave the work to the pastor. You can't leave the work to the worship team. You can't leave the work to the staff. Paul said you have to run in such a way that you might win. Paul said, I, I'm convinced I'm going to win. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm buffeting my body. I'm telling my body how to live. I'm telling my body what to do and not to do. I'm making sure that my steps have purpose. But what are you doing, Paul said? What are you doing? The house of God is still filled with individuals today who are not buffeting their body. They're not crucifying the flesh. They're not, they're not keeping the old man down, church, like God has called us to do. And because of it, their steps have no power. Because of it, their steps have no purpose in life. Look at what Paul says in verse 26. Like I said, he said, I want every step in my life to have purpose. I want every step in my life to have meaning. I want every step in my life to be anointed by the power of God. I want every step that I take to make a difference in this world. I want every step that I take to have an impact on this world and on the kingdom that is still to come. I want my steps to be filled with purpose, he said. 
I want my steps to have divine direction, so I run with purpose in every step, Paul said. I acknowledge him in all of my ways so that he might direct my path. I acknowledge him in all of my ways so that he might direct my path. I'm wondering how many times we've acknowledged God in all of our ways. I'm wondering how many times we've acknowledged God in the middle of our marriage. I'm wondering how many times and when the last time is we acknowledged God in the middle of our teenager's life or our little children's life. I wonder how many times we've acknowledged God in our workplace. I wonder how many times we've acknowledged God in any area of our life, church. The reality is, if we do not acknowledge God in all of our ways, His divine direction will not be upon our lives. And then we'll wonder why we're wandering. We'll wonder why we find ourselves in the wilderness for 40 days or 40 years because we are not running in such a way that we might win. Unfortunately, far too many of our steps have no purpose today. Far too many of our steps have no aim. They have no goal. They have no conviction. Far too many of our steps have no self-denial, no self-sacrifice, no, no commitment, no consecration, no devotion, no, no dedication. Far too many of our steps are leading us in the wrong direction, church. Far too many of our steps are void of power and, and void of, of privilege. You see, the reality is when you're walking in the right way, you find God's privilege in your life. You're privileged to do things others won't be privileged to do. You'll find favor that other individuals won't find favor. I want you to understand, you hear what I'm saying? If you want to be privileged, you better watch the way you run. If you want to be privileged, you better run in such a way that you might win. There is things, there is a thing called spiritual privilege. Please understand, Moses had the privilege to lead his people to a promised land. It was a difficult task, but he was running prior to that in a way that he should win. So God released that privilege into his life. If you want privilege, you've got to watch the way that you run. Far too many of us, our steps are not ordered by the Lord. Far too many of us, our steps are not ordered by the Spirit of God, but rather by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the the pride of life. We say, I can do it all on my own, and I can do exactly how I please. And we wonder why we can't stand firm in the fires of our faith. We wonder why we can't defeat Goliath. We wonder why the walls don't come down. We wonder why we can't stand firm in the flame. We wonder why we don't have the exousia like Pastor Jay so powerfully preached on last week, church. We wonder why we're not, we're not exercising authority. It's because we're not running in such a way that we might win. Because we're not watching our steps. We're not guarding our steps. We seem to not care the way we run, church. And we wonder why we are overcome We wonder why our marriages are falling apart. We wonder why our families are fractured because we're not running in such a way that we might win. Paul said, I want to gain an eternal reward. So I look at it. He said, I first, he says, first, he says, we all are to run in such a way that we might win. And he makes it plural. But when he goes on, he makes it personal. And he says, so I make sure that that I have a purpose in every step. He goes on and says, I buffet my body. I tell my body what to do. I take control of my body. Paul basically was saying, y'all can do what you want to do. 
Paul was saying, you can run however you want to run. You can all live however you want to live. But as for me, I'm going to run to win. As for me, I'm going to make sure that every step I take in life is filled with divine purpose. I'm going to run in such a way that every step I take is filled with the anointing of God. So that when I come into someone's life, I can change that life and touch that life. Bring healing to that person and healing to that mind. Every step Paul took, he wanted to make sure it had divine purpose attached to it. What's God's will for this step? What's God's will for this step? What's God's plan for this step? What's God's plan and purpose for this relationship or this person you brought into my life? What's the purpose behind this opportunity? Is it from you, God, or is it from the devil? He made sure that every step he took was filled with divine purpose, church. He ran in such a way that he might win. Paul said, I run, I buffet my body, I discipline my body, I don't box without aim. And I won't run without purpose. And he was saying, but what about you? What about you, Corinthians? Why are you not running? Why are you not buffeting? Why are you not doing the things that you've already been told to do? This word reminded me of the words that Joshua spoke. And you know them. When he stood before the people and he said, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the forefathers, whether the gods of your forefathers that were on this side of the river or the other side, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you all know what he went on to say. He went on to say, you know, in all reality, it doesn't matter who you serve. It doesn't matter who you, you follow. It doesn't matter who you live for. It doesn't matter how you run. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, I want the whole congregation to know. As for me and my house, I want all of Israel to know. Please understand, he wasn't standing in a little circle. He was standing before the congregation of God. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will run in such a way that we might win. I'm standing up here telling the congregation, you can do whatever you want to do. But I'm committed to running this race. Running it through whatever comes my way, church. The devil's been at this voice for three weeks, four weeks, messing with my head. But there's no way I'm going to back down. This is God's Word. Amen. That's not to bring glory to me at all, but that's to bring glory to God. If you want to win, you better start running. Amen. I want every step that I take to be filled with power. I want every step that I take to be filled with anointing. I hope you do too, church. I hope you're not just going through life. Well, I don't, I don't care where this step takes me. I don't care where this step takes me. I don't care what this step takes me. Oh, without a vision, my people perish. Without a vision, my people run amok, the Bible says. Got no idea where they're going. Wander in the wilderness for 40 days because those people had no vision. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones with a vision. And that was on the promised land. You understand the rest of them had no vision. That's why they wandered for 40 years. They weren't running to win. Joshua and Caleb were running to win. 
It's why when he was 80 years old, he got the fortified city. If you want the fortified city, you better watch the way you run. Oh, God, I don't have this and I don't have that. Uh, God, where are you? God, you don't seem to be listening. How you running? How you running? How you running? Listen, Pastor, Pastor Darrell's been preaching on Wednesday night. Fantastic series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this question. Why would God pour His Holy Spirit into a vessel that's broken? Why would God pour His Holy Spirit into feet that aren't willing to run? Why would God pour His Holy Spirit into an individual that's content sitting here on this seat Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, instead of using what God has given them? Why? My Lord, if we want what we had years ago, start running! It's what we need to do, church. Run in such a way that we might win. Ah. Amen. Question this morning is, it's the title of my message, Are You Running to Win? Or are you just playing church? Are you running to win? Or are you just goofing around with God? Are you running to win? Are you going through the meaningless motions week after week, lifting hands and singing songs and carrying a big old Bible, and it's nothing more than a religious tradition because you are not running in such a way that you might win? Too many people in the house of God that don't seem to care about the eternal reward. They don't seem to care about how they walk. Don't seem to care about how they live. They don't have conviction and purpose in their steps. They walk to the computer in the wee hours of the night and they turn on some pornography. And they commit adultery in their heart. And they wonder why their kids are in rebellion. They wonder why their wives don't love them. They wonder why they're overcome. they got no conviction. In their steps. House of God is filled with women, maybe not here, who give themselves to any sugar daddy who say, I'll pay your bill. Say, I'll put some gas in your car. Say, I'll pay your bill. Say, I'll turn on your lights. They give themselves away to a man that can't take care of himself, let alone them. When God said, when God said, I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And my grace is sufficient for you. Why do they slip into that bedroom? Because they got no conviction in their steps. Why do they slip in front of that computer? Because they got no conviction in their steps. They got no divine purpose attached to where they're going. God says if you want to win, you got to run to win. Listen. Save my voice, Jesus. This matter of how we run is so important that Paul speaks the same words again in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. When he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Let us run with endurance 
the race that God has set before us so that we might win, so that we might gain the prize, so that we might hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And he goes on to say, and we do this by keeping our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. I hope you know this morning that Jesus is the only one that got you going in this race. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be here this morning. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't have even made the starting block. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't have made it through the valley. You wouldn't have made it through the sickness. Wouldn't have made it through the heartache. Wouldn't have made it through the sorrow. And if it wasn't for Jesus, you won't cross the finish line either. Amen. This spirit of pride that says, I can do it all on my own, ain't going to get you across the finish line. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. And He's the one that keeps you going all along the way. If you want to win, you better get your eyes off this world and you better get your eyes on God. If you want to win, you better get your heart off this world and you better get your heart attached to God. Run in such a way that you might win. The first thing that Paul reminds us in this passage is that others have run this race before us, church. Others have run the race. Others have fought the fight. Others have kept the faith. Others have gone through the trial, gone through the tribulation. All others have gone through the flood and they've gone through the flame. Others have gone through the sadness and the sorrow and the loss of loved ones. Others have been persecuted for righteousness sake. Others were bound, beaten and whipped, church. Others ran before us and they won. They endured and they received their prize and that should serve as an encouragement to us. God, I'm the only one. Nobody seems to know my cares. Look up at that great cloud of witnesses. Nobody seems to understand my sorrows. Look up to that great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, church. They endured and they won the prize. And the Holy Spirit wants us to do the same exact thing, church. Paul goes on according to Hebrews 11 and says, This great cloud of people, this great cloud of witnesses that is gathered around us looking on, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. In their weakness they were made strong. They quenched the fiery arrows of the enemy. They escaped the sword and they turned the enemy armies to flight. Those that went before us. Others, Paul said, endured mocking and scourging, as well as chains and imprisonment. Some were stoned, some were sawn in two, others were slain by the sword. But every single one of them ran, church, in such a way that they might win. And they did. They all won, church. Why? Because their steps were filled with purpose. Because their steps were filled with power. Because their steps were filled with conviction and nothing could turn them away. What was it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? If my footsteps lead me into that fiery furnace, I still won't bow. My feet are filled with conviction. My heart is filled with conviction. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke. And they said, I don't care what you do to us, king. We will not bow. Listen, that don't happen without conviction. That don't happen unless you got some purpose in your step. That doesn't happen, church, if you don't have a heart that's committed to Jesus Christ. 
The sad reality is the majority of church people, oh, they drop to their knees when the trumpet sounds. When, 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 when the king said bow, we drop to our knees because we don't want the fire. We don't want the flood. We don't want the heartache. So we drop to our knees and we give in to sin. Drop to our knees and give in to, sac- uh, to, to, to selfish pleasures. Drop to our knees and give in to temptation instead of dropping to our knees and calling on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, Jesus. Their steps were filled with conviction, church, and ours must be also. Therefore, Paul said, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by those who have already paid the price. Therefore, since the faithful are looking on, let us run in the same fashion. Let us run like they ran. Let our steps be filled with purpose and conviction, just like their steps were filled with purpose and conviction. Listen, if we want our steps to be filled with purpose, we need to understand that we can't just run any old way we choose. If you want your steps to be filled with purpose, if you want to cross the finish line of our faith, you can't just run any old way you choose, church. We can't live as we please and expect to receive the crown of glory. We can't go through life cloaked in carnality and selfishness, church, and expect the Lord to say, well done, well well run thy good and faithful servant, because we hadn't been faithful. You must run to win, church. And every step has to have purpose. Every step needs to bring us closer to the high mark of Jesus Christ. It needs to bring us closer to Christ and closer to the cross. And if it's not, like I said earlier, you're running the wrong race. If your steps... If your pace, if your race isn't drawing you closer to the cross where you win your victory, if your steps and your pace isn't taking you closer to the author and the finisher of your faith, you're running the wrong race and you will not win. You're on a path that leads to destruction. And one day when you think everything is okay, you'll stand before the Lord and you'll say, Lord, Lord, did I not go to church? Did I not carry a big Bible? Did I not sing in the choir? Did I not play an instrument? Did I not lead some some ministry in the church? And God will say, depart from me. You worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words. Many will be disqualified, church. Many will not receive the credit. Those are not my words. It's the word of God. Many will be disqualified because they were not running in such a way that they might win. Just getting by week to week. Just trying to make the pastor happy week to week. Listen, if you're trying to get closer to the pastor, if you're trying to get closer to the staff, if you're trying to get closer to some sort of ministry, I'm telling you right now, you're running the wrong race. If you're looking for the applaud of the pastor, the applaud of the staff, or the applaud of some spiritual leader, you're running the wrong race. You better get your eyes fixed on Jesus who went to Calvary's cross. Because if you want to run like Jesus, you better deny yourself and take up a cross and follow Him. If you want the the eternal applause of God, you better stop trying to find the temporary applause of man. 
We want our steps to have purpose. We need to understand we can't run any old way. If you go back to Hebrews 12, Paul outlines the way to win. He outlines the way to gain the prize, the way to cross the finish line of our faith and hear the words, well done. It's by removing every weight, separating ourselves from every sin that would slow us down or trip us up, distract us from the course that the Lord has set before us, church. We win, Paul says, by separating ourselves from the contaminating influences of this world so that we might be a vessel of honor profitable to the master, fit and ready for every good work. 2 Timothy 2 tells us that in a grand house are many vessels. There are vessels of honor and menial vessels. There are vessels that will be used for noble purposes. Ah, I don't know about you, church, but I want to be a noble vessel. I want to be a vessel that can contain the anointing of God. I want to be a vessel that can contain the power of God and the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. I want, I want to be a vessel that can contain the, the character of God. I don't want to be some menial vessel that's overlooked. But the sad reality is the house of God is filled with menial vessels today that God can't use, that God won't exalt, that God won't put out on a shelf for others to see. Because if He does, all the world would see is me, myself, and I instead of God. Those individuals are not running to win. They want the hoopla that comes at the winner's circle. They want the cheer, the rah. They want the, the clap and the applause. They want the thundering applause to roar. That's all they want. That's all they want. The applause. The recognition. But they don't want to discipline themselves. They don't want to order their footsteps. They don't want to live by conviction. They want to do what's right in their own eyes and walk in their own ways and and have the blessing of God fall upon them at the same time. It's not going to happen. Listen, the first thing the Scripture tells us is that we can't win this race if we're cloaked in carnality. We'll never win if we're cloaked in compromise and complacency. We'll never win this race if we're wrapped up in the things of this world and in jealousy and and lust and and envy and bitterness and unforgiveness and gossip. Oh, those are the things. Yes, they are in the house of God, church. We wear them all the time. But Paul is reminding us and God is reminding us that it's those things that can disqualify you, church. And we need to strip them off. We need to take them off. If we want to win the prize of eternal life and cross the finish line, we've got to tear off and throw aside every encumbrance, Paul says. When Paul said, strip off, he was speaking about a determined and conscious decision to tear off and to rip away, to get away from the garment that would slow you down. The garment of compromise that would bring you down and disqualify you, church. Listen, when temptation comes our way, when sin knocks at our door, when the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life try to cloak themselves around us, church, you've got to tear them off and run in such a way that you might win. Just like Joseph, please get this. Just like Joseph who tore off his own garment in order to get away from the advances of Potiphar's wife. 
the ungodly advances of Potiphar's wife. Just like he ripped off that garment because it had the potential to bring him down. It had the potential to steal his anointing. It had the potential to disqualify him from the race that God had set before us. He ripped it off and he ran, the Bible says. Listen. If you want to win, you better be willing to rip off the garment of compromise. You better be willing to rip off the garment of corruption. You got to rip it off, church. That's what we have to do. We have to rip it off and we have to run in such a way that we might win. Please get this if you get nothing else. Because this is something that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. Joshua had a vision For greater things than a one-night stand. Joshua had a vision for greater things than a midnight tryst. Joshua had a vision for greater things than the temporary pleasures of his flesh. The question is this morning, what do you have a vision for? The question is, what do you have a conviction for? The question is, are you running in such a way that you might win? Have you stripped off those garments that slow you down? Have you stripped off the sin that so easily besets you? Have you stripped off compromise? Have you stripped off complacency? Have you stripped off those things that are, that are hanging around your heart, keeping you from the blessings of God? The problem with most Christians today, church, and I'm not speaking this to be condemning in any way, but so that the power of the Holy Spirit might convict our souls. The problem with most Christians today is that they're trying to run the race with Bible, with the Bible in one hand and compromise in the other. They're trying to run the race with hallelujah in one hand and a little bit of hell in the other. They're trying to run the race with Jesus in one hand and Potiphar's wife in the other. They're trying to run the, the Christian race with the things of God in one hand and, and Delilah in their lap at the same time. Listen to me! You can't win if you're holding on to two things. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters because you'll either love the one and hate the other or despise the one and cling to the other. The question is this morning, what are you clinging to? What are you not willing to let go of? What are you not willing to to tear off of your life? Because it feels good, God, I like it. I don't see anything wrong with it, God. Bible doesn't quite address that issue, God. But you know the Holy Spirit's been speaking it to you. You know the Holy Spirit and others have been trying to speak a truth into your life. And you're using the Word of God and forgive you if you are to justify your sin. Using the Word of God to justify your compromised attitude. Your lackadaisical and spiritual complacency. Yeah, we do that, church. We use the Word of God to justify our wrong directions in life. Please listen. There's too many people in the house of God that have given in to Potiphar's wife. And yet they wonder why victory is fleeting. They worship God on Sundays. They worship themselves the rest of the week. And they wonder why they're still in prison. They wonder why they can't get free. They wonder why their minds are bound up. Wonder why their wife despises them and their kids reject them, church. They wonder why nothing's going right, church, because they are not stripping off the things that need to be Stripped off. Sleeping with five different women like the woman at the well. 
And they wonder why they're still thirsty. Wonder why they're not satisfied. Wonder why this good-for-nothing man didn't satisfy my longings and my desires. So she moved on to another and another and another. Why? You want to know why she wasn't satisfied? She was drinking from a dirty well. And the reality is there's far too many of us in the house of God that are drinking from dirty wells. We're drinking from the wells of corruption. We're drinking from the wells of lust. We're drinking from the wells of addiction. We're drinking from the wells of, of selfishness, of, of pride. We're, we're drinking from the, the wells of sexual immorality. We wonder why we're bound up. We wonder why we can't run. We wonder why we can't even get off the starting block. Because we have no intention of running to win. Because we're standing there at the starting line of our faith. Listen, the more you strip off, the faster you're going to run. And there are some things, listen... Remember, God is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that put you on that starting block. But when he put you on that starting block, he whispered some, some, some things into your ears and said, if you want to run in order to win, there's some things you're going to have to strip aside. If you don't want to stumble and fumble and trip and fall all your way through the Christian life, there's some things that you're going to have to take off. There's some attitudes you're going to have to drop to the side. There's some, there's some uh, emotions. There's some... There's some stuff. Just looking for words. Stuff that you're going to have to, to, to throw off. And listen, not all of that stuff is always considered sinful. Not all of that stuff is considered to be equal to like fornication or, or adultery. But some of that stuff, some of that weight can cause you to fall flat on your face, church. And keep you from running. Listen, if you want to run in such a way that you might win, you better understand that even though all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. You better understand that, that even though I'm not under the law, not all things will advance me in my faith. Not all things will be beneficial to my faith. Not all things will advance you in the kingdom of God. Not all things will bless you abundantly. Not all things will deliver a double portion anointing onto your life, church. They, not be, they might not be considered sins unto death, but they still have the power to slow you down. Well, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. So I can do how I want to do. Yeah, you can. But you can be disqualified too. Yeah, you can. But you can grieve God at the same time. Yeah, you can, but you won't be a vessel of honor. Yeah, you can, but you won't contain my glory. Yeah, you can, but you won't contain my anointing. Yeah, you can run however you want. You can do however you want. You can live however you want. But you will not be a vessel of honor that has power and privilege in his life. Amen. If you want to win, you've got to strip away the sin. And it's not always easy. It's not easy to deny yourself. It's not easy to take up your cross. You think it was easy for Jesus to take up his cross? You think it was easy for Jesus to walk to Golgotha's hill? You think it was easy for him to endure the pain and the shame and the suffering and the heartache? 
Oh, good Lord, why do so many Christians think the Christian life should be a bed of roses every day? The race that God set before us. Listen to this. I wasn't going to go here, but I am. The word race that Paul uses when he says the race that's set before us, in the Greek is the word agon, from which we get the word agony, from which we get the word pain. Do you think Jesus' race wasn't filled with agony? You think Jesus' race was a bed of roses? You think Jesus' race was oh, oh. lollipops and cotton candy? His race took him to a place of pain that was so severe that he literally, in the Garden of Gethsemane, down on his knees, sweat great drops of blood. The pain and the agony was so heavy on his heart that his heart couldn't bear it. The race that was set before him was so filled with agony and suffering that he said, Father, Father, if there's any way this race, if there's any way this cup of suffering, if there's any way this agon can be taken away from me, take it away. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed that to his Father. But then he said, but nevertheless, nevertheless, it's not about my will, Father. It's about your will. Nevertheless, if you want me to go through the pain, if you want me to go through the agony, if you want me to go through the suffering, I'll go all the way to the cross. And he did. He went all the way to the cross where he was able to say, it is finished. I ran the race. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. I endured through the agony of this race. Listen, please listen to me. If you're not willing to walk that road, you won't win. If you are not willing... To follow in those same footsteps of Jesus Christ, not even in my notes. If you're not willing to bend a knee in the garden of Gethsemane this morning. If you're worried about what others are going to think. If you're worried about what others are going to say when I call you to the altar. You're not going to win your race. You're not going to be a vessel of honor. Until we are willing to find that place in the garden of Gethsemane. Please understand me and listen to me. Jesus surrendered his will long before he got on the cross. He surrendered it in the garden. He would have never gone to the cross if he didn't surrender his will in the garden of Gethsemane. I'm wondering how many of you are willing to say this morning, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in my life. God, your will might be separating myself from a relationship might be separating myself from an activity. might be separating myself from a simple sip of wine. might be separating myself from some earthly pleasure that's even not considered a sin. It might be separating yourself 
from the sin that has the power to destroy you. But whatever it is, God's wondering if you're willing to say this morning, not my will, but your will be done. If you need Jesus this morning, if you want to win the race, if you want to receive the prize, if you want to share in God's glory, I want you to stand to your feet as I close this out this morning. This is the way the Holy Spirit is leading. Listen. The race that Jesus has set before you, like I said, isn't always easy. It'll take you places you may not want to go. Just like Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Just like Daniel didn't want to go to the lion's den. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't want to go into the fiery furnace. Just like Moses didn't want to go back to face Pharaoh. But the reality is, they all went anyway. They all ran the course that was set before them. And understand, every single one of them along the way had to strip something off. What did God say to Moses before he even revealed his will? Take something off, Moses. I want to see if you're willing to strip something off this morning. Before I'm going to give my divine revelation to a human man. Before I'm going to pour my glory into an earthen vessel. I want to know what you're willing to separate yourself from. I want to know if you're willing to take off the sin. I want to know if you're willing to take off the shoes. I want to know if you're willing to take off this garment that Potiphar's wife has a hold of. And say, God, I'm laying it all right here so that I might win. I'm going to take this any, even further. If you need to throw something off this morning... I want you to come forward. I'm going to ask that the prayer team come forward. If you need to throw something off, anything this morning that's keeping you from winning, I know the Holy Spirit has spoken this morning. And I know it's going to be a difficult thing to come forward. But if you want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I'm asking you to come forward, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a burden. Maybe it's a hurt. I don't care what it is. God is saying today we're going to tear it off so that you can win. So as Pastor Chad sings, this is our invitation to come and run in such a way that we might win.